0: Welcome to the Pure Energy Dogcast, where we talk about everything from dog training to dog ownership, to business, to God, you name it, we talk about it. Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome back to episode four of the Pure Energy Dogcast. This is Stacy, joined again by my husband and co-host, Travis. And today we have a topic that might be slightly controversial, but hopefully we'll be able to reach everybody. Hopefully we won't offend anybody. Um, but this this episode is going to be about um, well, we named it um, "Your Dog Is Not Your Baby," right? And we just want to kind of talk about how. We in the industry, in the training industry, we just see dogs being humanized and how that is working against the dog and not in the dog's favor. And just kind of clear up the topic of maybe some things that people are doing that they don't even realize is damaging to their relationship with their dog. So what are some of your thoughts on that, babying dogs?
1: Well, probably the number one most frustrating thing that I see.
0: Is Is babying the
1: dog. I mean, humanizing a dog. I think America is probably the worst country (laughs) for that. Um, I think that we create characters out of our dogs Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um, because we get to know their personalities. And then we also, some people will project what they want the dog to be, right? So a a small dog that is passive and doesn't become aggressive and you don't see bad behaviors out of it, I think it's fine. Mm -hmm. Think, you know, teach their own. Mm -hmm. But when you have a dog that is having behavioral issues, I think that it becomes a selfish move Mm. from that person.
0: Yeah.
1: And it could be because it's subconscious, like you're saying. Mm -hmm. Um, But I feel like we need to talk about it so they understand that it is doing a disservice to the dog.
0: Yeah. And so. What are some things that you've seen, you know, people do that are it, it's considered as babying the dog?
1: They they make excuses for the dog,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like they justify their behavior and they justify the um, poor choices that the dog makes
0: mm-hmm.
1: on human thoughts,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like stealing food off of the table, mm-hmm. like oh they're hungry, or um, another example would be. Um, they want to be free, like so I don't want to put them in the crate mm-hmm. right and then they go eat something that that, you know, that could kill them right because they can't they eat a sock it's surgery. Um, I mean it's kind of endless,
0: yeah yeah and, for me, on my side, I see a a, a time like where I hear the phrase. But she's my baby. But she's my baby. Like that coming up when it comes to implementing structure. And I think that's kind of what you're saying too. So a lot of the times, you know, when we're doing place duration and teaching the dog how to be calm on place and stay still for a prolonged periods of time, th- the dog is okay with it. The dog is perfectly fine. They actually need it.
1: They, they strive for it.
0: Yes. They're enjoying themselves. They are, you know, working into a calmer state. All of these things that are good for them. But the human looks over at the dog, and the human is like feeling bad. feeling bad or feeling guilty. But that's my baby. I don't want them to have to lay there or stay there. And it's not, it's not really seeing like the reality of the situation. I understand the feeling. I understand that that's an emotionally charged response. But that's where we come in and have to explain to the people and help them understand what the dog is actually doing. What I hear most common is like, oh, she looks bored. And, and the first thing I say is, if she is bored, that's totally okay. It's okay for your dog to be bored. Bored is much better than, like you said, eating a sock or chewing something up in the house or pottying in the house or barking at squirrels and people out the window. and Because all of that comes from an anxious state and poor decisions. Yep. I would much rather a bored dog than a crazy, yeah. anxious dog, right? Yeah. But when you really dive into it and look at it, the dog isn't bored. The dog is actually working on holding boundaries, holding command, you know, distraction proofing, letting things go by and not being reactionary. So the dog is actually doing work and then drifts off into sleep and then wakes back up, is back in work mode and then drifts off into sleep. So it's not a bad thing at all, but people kind of humanize it because they look bored, meaning that you know, they're not up and running around and free in the house. They're not on the couch um, as much. They aren't running around panting, right? So people think a panting dog is a happy dog because it looks like the dog is smiling. Hmm. And panting can mean a, a number of different things. It doesn't dog
1: wagging his tail really fast. Yes, yes. Super overstimulated.
0: Yep, the tail going, all of that stuff. Just all that movement, I think people have associated with a dog being quote-unquote Happy. happy. And then so when the dog is not doing that and the dog is laying down and being still, then they feel bad for it. And they don't want to make the dog do that because it's their baby, right? They want them to be happy. So that's kind of where I see that, that coming into play a lot in the training world. But then also crate training. They, you know, they don't want to put the dog in the crate. They feel bad you know, putting them in there and then leaving. And then, like you said, they kind of make up stories like, oh, she doesn't like it, this, that, and the other thing. And it's like, well, she might not like it, but it's probably because she doesn't understand it. We haven't given any context. There's no rules associated with it. They don't understand that they go in there to be calm. They think that they just get locked in a box, right? So yeah. if you implement the training, then it clears that up. And I think that we spend a lot of time helping owners realize that, right? So this is not like a blame or shame owners podcast. This is just a lot of people do this. And so we just want to talk about it because we talk about it with our clients all the time. But if you don't get to work with us one-on-one, you might not hear it. Right. So we're just putting the information out there so that if you are that person that feels bad making your dog go through training or feel bad making your dog do something, you have to really start to see the dog side of it and how it's actually going to help the dog because it's it's not a human yes (laughs) it's an animal Exactly.
1: you know i think the other side of um the relationship that these owners have with their dogs is you know the way that they talk to them is like it creates anxiousness in the dog it creates um excitement right um because they they'll talk to them in a high pitched voice, mm-hmm. right? Which, it's cute, it's fun, but it's for it's for you. And it, if your dog you see your dog unwinding, and you you educate yourself on body language, and you can see that the dog is going spiraling south, then you know it's a ton of self control to change that. But it's for your dog,
0: mm-hmm. and it's not for you. Absolutely, and you know piggybacking off of that, you have to think of it as is what I'm doing serving my dog, right? Because if me, you know, talking to them and carrying them around and bringing them everywhere and doing all these things, you know, with, with no structure or accountability or rules, all, all of this kind of unearned freedom, mm-hmm. if you're doing all that and then by default, you have a super anxious dog or a very reactive dog or even a little dog that is very snippy and mouthy and just bites at everything but gets away with it because they're small and they don't you know, create big damage right mm-hmm. if if all that is happening and you're the one doing it it's like you, can't, you have to stop and realize that you have to hold yourself accountable right like you are not setting the dog up to succeed you are not giving the dog the best life possible right you're actually keeping that dog stuck dogs are going to be a product of their environment. Like yes, there is DNA and genetics that play into a role of every single dog, but then the other large piece of it is is their environment and they're they're a product of that. So we've seen dogs go from snappy and nippy and anxious and crazy and all of these things turn and after training turn into a really well balanced, awesome, well mannered dog.
1: They look different. Yes, they look like different dogs. Yes, yeah.
0: and I tell people too. Some people are afraid to train because they're afraid of quote unquote like the dog getting mad at them or like hurting their relationship or the you know the dog being upset or anything like that and I tell everybody that you will never have a stronger relationship with your dog as you do after training yep. because you understand each other more you're reading their body language which basically opens up this whole world of communication that was happening but the owners didn't know how to See. read it yeah and the dog was trying to communicate things and it wasn't being picked up on, then the dog was getting frustrated. But after training, you start to learn those things and dive in and you learn what your dog likes and doesn't like and how to help them and, and what serves them and what doesn't. And it's it's a relationship, it's, it's double-sided, right? So you got a dog in your life probably for, you know, a companion and a friend and for this and that. They didn't choose you, but you chose them, right? So we have to do our part in making sure that we're the best owner for them in the sense of, you know, setting them up to succeed and not treating them like kids. And in training classes with our clients, there's many, many times where I correlate dog training to parenting because there are so many similarities in the sense of structure and routine and consistency and stuff like that. But what is not helpful is the baby talking and then the wanting to be their best friend right off the bat, like that, that style.
1: Yeah, they treat the relationship one sided, like you said. It's, you know, they create all the trust, but then there's no boundaries that create the respect, right? So it's, it's all trust. So you have an, an unbalanced relationship mm-hmm. to where when you have an animal in that state, you know, it's a little bit easier with humans because you can talk and communicate. But with dogs, if you're if you're not creating those boundaries and creating that structure in their life, and and learning how to communicate correctly with them, you default to what you do with humans, mm-hmm. and then you see a dog that starts to unwind and have bad behaviors, and they eat the sofa, and they get reactive, and they start biting people, and then you know the little dogs go after people, and then you pick them up, and then now they're biting anybody that comes close to you, and you're like, well, you know, he's protecting me. Yeah. Another story, right? So. It's the same thing, like, obviously pit bulls, you know, they, they get a bad rap, mm-hmm. but they get a bad rap because they get brought up without boundaries and they get treated like babies and then they bite somebody and then they get put to sleep. Mm-hmm. And it's extremely frustrating. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, the people that have these dogs, they don't realize it until it's too late.
0: Yeah.
1: And then I feel bad for them, right? It's not, like I, it's not that I don't have compassion for it, but I also feel bad for the dog. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, another thing that we see too is when the dog is showing a certain behavior, the way somebody humanizes it is by petting it, by coddling it, by attempting to soothe. So it comes from a good place. It's right. what, like if, if, if our daughter right like if shay fell down we would go over and we would talk to her and try to soothe her her. yes and console her and make sure she's okay but our daughter understands english and our daughter understands that physical touch she understands that that is a comforting thing and we can come to a solution together do you need a band-aid are you okay do you want to put water on it like whatever she (laughs) wants to do in the moment or ice whatever she thinks is going to help with a dog this is your probably one of your biggest pet peeves because you can't let it go anytime a client does it if the dog is really anxious so like moving all around on the leash or whining or barking at something a lot of people we see will bend down and start petting the dog and they'll be like it's okay it's okay it's okay don't worry you're okay it's okay good girl good girl in an attempt to soothe them as you would a child but put yourself like look at the dog world dogs do not sit there and pet each other side by side and have a conversation that way you know so that the whole concept of petting really like that's a human thing like we took that up right of course dogs enjoy it cuz it feels good but it's not something natural that they interpret as soothing and and consoling and calming they take it more as a, as a reward right so if the dog is anxious and pulling and barking And you're sitting there petting it saying it's okay it's okay good girl good girl you're rewarding you know you're reinforcing that negative behavior and people do it a lot too with jumping so the dog jumps up the person will pet the dog say hi how are you you know i missed you too how was your day and then tell the dog to get down and then when their friend walks through the door and the dog jumps on them then they're mad or embarrassed Mm -hmm. and it's like well you just rewarded the behavior so of course the dog's going to do it again right right? So we have to realize that, again, you know, what we do as far as body language and physical touch, the dog is taking that in a, in a different way than maybe we're meaning for it to be, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, there's, I tell people all the time, there. you can see a huge change and shift in your relationship with your dog without even going through formal training. Like, you, like obedience training, that's not going to make or break your relationship. Obedience is a portion a part of the program right but i tell people like if if for whatever reason somebody can't work with us i'll give them tips and it's like you know don't pet your dog when it's when it's panting or or panting like crazy or running around the house or following you room to room don't pet your dog when they jump up on you Um, If you don't want a dog who jumps, don't pet your dog as they're barking at the the dog across the street and you're holding them back on leash and don't tell them it's okay because it's not okay, right? You don't want that behavior. Don't pet your dog when they're, you know, freaking out at the vet and stuff like that. Like these are all times that if you stop doing these things, you'll start to see a shift in your dog because it's no longer being rewarded, so then they start to be like, huh, well, that didn't work. What should I do instead? And if you instead start petting and paying attention to your dog at, when they're calm and when they're settled and going over and acknowledging that, that's when you'll start to cultivate that behavior a little bit more and then start to see that behavior a little bit more. But typically when the dog is calm, that's when we all leave the dog alone. We're like, oh, yeah, they, they finally laid down. Don't touch them. You know? yeah. And it's like, no, like that's when you want to let the dog know that they're doing a good job. Exactly,
1: unless it spikes the dog. Yeah. But I've, there's um, if, if you guys don't understand body language, just go to YouTube mm-hmm. or come for training or find a trainer in your area and learn that. Because the more knowledge you have for that, the better you know how to communicate with your dog. And just be careful of the pitch of your voice. Mm-hmm. So if you're having a, talking to your dog and it's excited, you don't want to talk to it with a high-pitched voice. You want to do the opposite.
0: Yeah.
1: Calm think another point here is um, letting other people do the same to your, to your dog. Mm-hmm. So I, I know a lot of people that feel bad for telling somebody to not let the dog jump on them. Mm-hmm. You know, Because a lot of people will say, oh no, it's okay, I don't mind. And I feel like some people need permission to say, no, I don't, we don't let him jump. Yeah. Like, just stand up for your dog. Because it's confusing to mm-hmm. the dog. Because if you, you let him jump on one person and then you correct him for jumping on another person or jumping on you, he doesn't know or she doesn't know the difference.
0: Yep.
1: So it's it's just consistency
0: yep. is important. And then the last thing that I wanted to talk about was how don't feel bad implementing structure into their lives. Structure equals freedom. And think of it with children right like I wouldn't let my three-year-old son just like run towards the road because I know that it's not safe I know he can get hit by a car I know that he needs to wait and look both ways he's three he doesn't totally understand that yet So as a parent, I have to create that structure. I have to teach him to stop and look both ways. Plus, I'm going to hold his hand. And if he was running towards the road, I'm going to grab him and stop him right in his tracks. Like, absolutely not. And, you know, there's going to be times where, you know, my son's going to want to cross the road and he's not going to want to hold my hand. But guess what? As his mother, I'm going to make him hold my hand. If it's a busy road, like I don't, you can be mad at me. That's perfectly fine. As soon as we get across the road, we can talk about why I had to hold your hand there. But I'm going to hold your hand if I feel it's appropriate as a parent in that situation. And then also, if he's running towards the road and I have to grab him to stop him because he wasn't listening to me shouting his name or whatever the case might be, he might be a little bit offended or caught off guard or surprised. And that might not make him his happiest, right? Like he might even be startled and like cry if if I surprised him, you know, and grabbed him in in the heat of the moment, right? Just to save him from a car. But that structure I know keeps him safe and, and, and teaches him as he gets older that I can trust him to go out and look. When he's a teenager, I can trust that he can look both ways before crossing the street and make the the solid judgment calls needed because I taught him how to do it. So I, I was setting him up for success to have that freedom. I shouldn't have to hold my teenager's hand across the road, right? That means that, you know, I might want yeah. to backpedal, you know. Yeah, and, and, so yes. Yeah. So um, same thing with your dog. So it's like, a lot of times we get a dog, a new dog, a puppy, or we rescue a dog and there's a whole story tied to it, so then we feel bad implementing any structure or rules. We just want to love, 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 love. And love is part of it, absolutely, but to me there's three parts to, to the equation for a healthy relationship with a dog, which is trust, love, and respect. All three pillars have to be operating at full capacity in order to have a well-balanced relationship. I feel like a lot of people do the, the trust and the love and the respect is very last or non-existent at all because they don't want to, you know, create the structure and implement the rules and the boundaries. But then you have a dog that you can never trust anywhere. You can't let that dog off leash because they're not gonna come back when called. Walks are crazy because the, there's no structure so the dog pulls and lunges or wants to go say hi to every single thing or pee on everything and your walks are just, they take forever and they're not structured and it's crazy. Um, or you know, you have guests over and the dog is just everywhere. They're all over the place, they're crazy, they're stealing food off the counters all because you you felt bad implementing structure, right? And Structure is not a bad word. We all need it. Like, our society is run off structure. It's there for a reason. It helps Especially keep... Especially for animals. Yes, and it helps keep everybody in line. And, again, we're teaching an animal how to live in a human world, right? These are, it's yes, important. they're domesticated now. You know, like, there are they're animals for, you know, all these years. But they don't stem from that. They, they're still an animal. And I think that's the biggest thing that people forget is that it's an animal, And and I'm all for, you know, when people say, you know, like my fur baby and my baby and and all this stuff, I don't mind it if it's in a clear headspace. Again, if there's that attachment to it that is unhealthy to where they will never tell that animal no or teach them right from wrong, that's a red flag. That's a tricky thing. That's where you have to work on the person before the dog. Mm -hmm. But dogs are a part of our family absolutely right our our pets are our family we love them we are distraught when they pass away all of i we get that 100% but just like my family i'm going to raise my kid a certain way i'm going to raise my animal a certain way right and then we, again we can't take our eye off the fact that it's an animal right and anything can happen at any time right so we have to you know, make sure that we're being safe with dogs. And I tell everybody, every client, whenever anybody asks like, do you think this dog could bite or anything like that? Anything with teeth can bite. So that is that is that is my answer, because even if they say, no, 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 not my dog, not ever, you don't know that. At the end of the day, it is an animal, and drive exists, like that, that natural drive in a dog, whether it's prey drive, play drive, anything that they have, food drive, that is there. That is a primal thing that is in the animal, and as much as we, we have domesticated it, that can come out at any time. So that goes back to teaching those rules and and the structure and the accountability and not just babying the dog. Because if you just baby, 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 you are one day going to run into those drives and you're not going to know how to handle it and your dog's not going to listen to you when you try to handle it. And it's going to be a big problem. But if you create that structure and have that healthy balance from the beginning, if and when those drives do surface and you do see more of that dog side and that animalistic side of the dog, you're going to have a lot more control over the situation. Whether it's keeping them safe somebody else safe or just avoiding a scuffle in general yeah you know That's, so th- i mean what's your take on human food for dogs like table food yep. no <laughs> so no table food for dogs raw food for dogs absolutely but not table food for dogs it's just i mean it's it's healthy it's unhealthy it's not something that you know they should be doing um i mean again don't get me wrong i mean like fruits and veggies and things like that. If you're chopping stuff up and you add it to your dog's bowl, absolutely, completely different. But sitting at the dinner table, you didn't finish your pizza crust and giving it to the dog. For me, no, but some people do. and you know. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, that's I think pretty much everything we have for today. I hope that creates some clarity for you guys on the concept of how babying your dog can be dangerous. And I don't, you know, I, I don't think it's bad that your dog is your family member, we get that. We ha- Our dogs are our family members, but they're not our babies. We are very, very aware that our dogs are our dogs, our children are our children, and we parent them or teach them, guide them, lead them in two completely different ways. Different languages. Different languages. There's similarities and the structure. There are things that overlap, but at the end of the day, it's having that healthy mindset of remembering that your dog is a dog and your dog is not a human, and making sure that we adapt to be able to teach both dogs and humans children how to how to be the best versions of themselves which that communication comes in two different ways Yep. right so yeah. if you're somebody who says that your dog is your baby that's totally fine but just make sure that it's benefiting both you and the dog Yep. and that's it so we'll see you guys next week